Adam, thank you so much for being back on the Getting Real podcast. It's so fun to have you. And we just talked. So this is exciting. It's like we're old friends. <laughs> So well, this time we are talking. Two weeks ago. Yeah, it was only yeah only a couple of weeks ago. So I'm excited though to talk to you about another film. Talk about back to back. So this one is called National Champions, and we're looking for the release tomorrow. So really excited about this. Some really huge actors in this one. Let's talk about the premise of the film first of all. Yeah. So the premise of the film is a. Uh, 72 hours before the national title game on the biggest stage in New Orleans at the Sugar Bowl. Uh, it's not called the Sugar Bowl anymore, at the Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. Um, the Heisman Trophy winner, the number one draft pick, consensus number one draft pick, uh, announces that he's not playing in the national title game unless every D1 college athlete in the game is compensated um, and he has a list of demands. And that dominoes a thriller um, where, you know, different sides start to marshal against him to try to get him to play um, and various methods. And the NCAA comes in and his conference comes in and his coach is stuck in the middle with him. So, uh, yeah, that's the premise for the film. And I think this is like the timing of this is really good. You know, we've got all these college athletes who, uh, you know, they do put themselves in danger every time they're out on the field, just like an NFL player does. And we've heard so much from NFL players lately of all the injuries that they have sustained during their playing years and how that's affected them after they're done playing. Well, this really brings to light the fact that, you know, this is happening to college students too. So, hey, what are we getting out of this? I mean, totally. I, I think the larger argument here is the money has gotten so insane from everyone around this kid, around these kids. You know, we, we've just seen the announcement this week of Notre Dame's coach, Brian Kelly, left for LSU for a hundred million dollar contract to justify that we're not going to pay these kids at all. Um, Long term health implications of what it means to play legit D1 football for four years, that, that, that means health, that, that has health implications for the rest of your life. Um, that we say, you know, this student athlete designation doesn't even allow workman's comp if you get really injured. You know, it, it, there's just so much to it. But really simply, the money at the top and everyone around these kids is just too much um, for the kids um, and they are kids to not be paid at all. Mm -hmm. It's pretty simple actually. Right. And this film really does a good job of pointing out all the, the sides, you know, the, the reason why, you know, colleges and the league doesn't want to pay these students, the fact that it would, it's not just the men's football team and the men's basketball team, there are other college sports too. So would they all need to be compensated? Like these questions are all raised from that side. And you also hear the players' arguments, which are all very valid as well. So it's really good about pointing out both sides of this argument. And I, I really appreciate that. Let's talk about some of the actors because we've got some huge actors that are in this film too that yeah. do a great job. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, Stefan James, J.K. Simmons, um, Uzo Adube, um, 
apologies, Zuzo, on your last name. Um, Alexander Ludwig, um, who I wasn't familiar with, um, and he's fabulous in this movie too. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey Donovan, uh, if you've ever watched Burn Notice. Tim Blake Nelson, who I just love. Um, you know, I think when we were casting the movie, they had asked me early on what I thought. And I, I said, uh, Stefan James and JK Simmons, who had been in a film I wrote the original screenplay for um, called 21 Bridges. And I kind of thought of them, I kept coming back to them um, as perfect for these roles. And as you probably know, it doesn't normally happen where you go, okay, the number one guy for this role is Stefan James. The number one, this guy for this role is JK Simmons. And then you kind of make like two through five lists too. And you usually, cause you're not, the number one guy is not going to say yes. Yeah. Um, on all lists. Um, but yeah, that's the way it went, which was amazing, you know? Um, and, you know, for me, Personally, it was um, humbling and, uh, you know, to, to have those guys say yes so quick um, meant a lot to me. Uh, yeah. Well, and that but, speaks a lot to your talent too, that, I mean, J.K. Simmons is, is a huge name. And the fact yeah. that you, he's worked with you before, he knows you, he knows your talent. And he's like, yes, he has a project for me. I'm in, that's gotta be huge for you. I don't know if that's the way it went for him, but <laughs> um, you know, we didn't, we talked a little bit on 21 Bridges, but we didn't, we don't really, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't come away from there being like uh, me and JK are best friends. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, it was, it was cool. It's not a bad thing, you know? And yeah. then, you know, with someone like Uzo, um, just a phenomenal actress. Yeah. And you just, you start to go like, this is a movie I want to watch. Like, I want to watch them work. Mm -hmm. um, even, you know, for like a smaller role, like um, Tim Blake Nelson signed on for, if you don't know Tim Blake Nelson, if you Google his name, you'll be like, that guy. I mean, he is in yeah. everything and he's great in everything. And I, I, I had known him, seen him in the New York theater scene and loved him. And he comes in and plays, you know, it's not a insignificant role, but it is a small role in screen time. Um, and to get a guy of that caliber to come in and do it, um, it was amazing. Um, and you know, I think so much, not so many times, but a couple of times you're kind of making something that you're trying to spin the best, get get your all your energy behind it and, and spin it. And you're like, well, we don't have this, but we get this and we, we don't have X, but we have Y. In this case, for this shoot, I was like, God damn, we, we, I'm just jacked to see all these people do these roles. Yeah, and they're so good. In fact, the very first scene where we see Uzo, she says nothing, but says so much at the same time. And I just, I love that. Like just, you see her character sitting in the back of the room, not saying a single thing, but you can see 
the wheels turning at that moment. It's like, you can see that she hears what the athletes are saying, but has a job to do to protect the, the league. And so it was like, it was just a really cool moment. I thought, and that was like her first introduction into the film. Oh, thanks. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of courage for a big actor like Uzo to, to, to allow, you know, to do that, you know, and, and, and it really speaks to her as a, as a real actor with a capital A, as far as, you know, there are some other movie stars, which I believe Uzo is on her way to becoming, um, that, it, that would be like, wait, I am on screen. I want to do something. I want to say, you know, and for the character of Catherine, the fixer, you know, she wants to know everyone's agenda before she talks. She wants to watch these guys, mostly white men, mm-hmm. kind of lay themselves out and know how to, how to manipulate everyone and know what everyone's agenda is and know how to politically handle everyone before she's gonna make a move. Um, and so yes, when the cabal meets in that early scene, it would make sense that someone like Catherine would size everyone up and let them lay their cards on the table and then make her move. But as an actor and as a big time actor, that's tricky to, it can be tricky. I think for Uzo, it's easy. Um, It can be tricky to get your ego there. Yeah, I I could see that for sure. So this film from start to finish, of course, it's work, it's so much work to be able to put together a film like this from the time that you sat down and started writing, like how long did it take to put this all together? Um, well, I wrote this as a stage play in, a, I think it was 2018. I think I had just finished 21 Bridges and I, <laughs> I remember saying to my friend, I said, I think I'm gonna do something stupid um, and write <laughs> a stage play um, about like a sports issue that's, all, that's really a labor issue um, that probably a lot of theater people won't understand. <laughs> uh, and I did, I just end up, you know, had, I've had this idea germinating for a long time. Um, I was around college sports uh, in, at FSU and I was, you know, always a sports fan and, and, and it kept just, that was 20 years ago. And it, it kept just as the years went by getting more, the money, I, get, I grew more and more disgusted with the money and what I really knew was going on for athletes as far as the lives they were living and the lives everyone around them were living. Um, and it was exploitative and it was gross. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching in 2005, sorry, this is a very long answer to your question. but That's okay. Uh, in 2005, I watched the national title game between Vince Young and Matt Leiner, which was USC and Texas this great game, huge crowd. I mean, unbelievable finish down to the last seconds when Vince Young runs it in. And I remember sitting on, on my friend Dave Fano's couch in New York City going, if these two guys said they weren't playing in this game, the two best players in the country for either school, they would do anything these guys said to get them in this game. And that was clearly, that clearly is the solution to this system is the players taking control and, and, you know, for lack of a, 
a, a better analogy, laying their bodies along the gears of the system to stop the system completely. The system's not going to reform itself. It's too much money and power. Anyway, it, it was there. I didn't want to write it. it. It was like, I don't know. But as the years went by, I, I was worried someone else was going to, th this was going to happen or someone was going to write it before me. My real worry was because someone's going to write it before me. Yeah. And I was like, it's my idea. I, I thought about it. <laughs> So I, finally, after 21 Bridges, I had a little bit of money, I had a little bit of time, and I sat down and wrote this play, um, and I, I, everyone, like, I think it had been germinating for so long, that everyone just kind of came to me, and then nothing happened, you know? The theaters I normally work with read it, and they're like, this is good, but we kind of don't understand it, like, sports-wise. Yeah. And also the... You know, in, in theater, the, you know, convention of a reading, a workshop, more workshops, maybe a tiny theater run, and then see, you know, that doesn't work so well with like a 12-person play. Right. And, and maybe some different people who typically don't cast in plays, like athletes, athletes of color, you know, they're not just like, it, it's harder for theater companies to kind of put all that together. Um, and I walked into um, Thunder Road's offices and... Brendan Boye, who's a producer on this um, movie, just happened to ask me, uh, as I'm leaving the room, uh, do you have any sports stuff? We're, we're looking to do a sports thing. And I almost forgot. I, and I, <laughs> well, you know, I got a stage play that, you know, I didn't tell him no one, no one would do it. I said, oh, I just, I just got this stage play that's going around. And he goes, well, can I read it? And then I forgot to send it to him. He had to email me to be like, hey, <laughs> can you send me that thing? It sounded cool. And I sent it to him. Didn't hear back over winter break. I forgot on like January like 15th, I get an email, be like, hey man, we love this play. Can you come talk to me in Basil, Basil Rowanek, who's the other producer? And I said, yeah, okay. Like, and I had been on so many of these meetings where, you know, people were like, we love this. What else do you want to do? You know? And you just sort of like spinball. And I walk in and, and Basil, who's a, you know, a big producer, like, he, Basil's done all the John Wick movies, The Town, Hell or High Water, all these movies I love. Basil goes, so what would you do if, if you made it into a movie? And I go, well, I'd do X, Y, and Z. And he goes, cool, let's do it. And I go, no. what? And he goes, yeah, let's do it, go, go do it. And that was, that was, I remember it was Valentine's Day 2020. So I wrote it in 2018. That was a very long answer to your question. Here's, here's <laughs> I wrote it as a play in 2018. Um, Valentine's Day 2020, Basil said, let's make a movie, go write the script. We all know what happened in March of 2020. Um, so for the first six months of the pandemic, I was adapting my stage play into a feature film. And actually on my birthday, January 2021, I get a phone call and Brendan Boye says, hey man, Rick Romanois flipped out for the script. He wants to do it. And I go, cool, what does that mean? <laughs> and it means, it means we're going, get ready to go to New Orleans and let's shoot this thing. And we shot it in June of 2021, um, which as I'm sure you know, in the film business, that's completely unheard of to write a script and basically a year later be shooting it. Um, yeah. yeah, so that was the process. Yeah, well, again, it shows how much they really loved it and they believed in the project to be, putting it into 
into production that quickly. No, to, I owe a lot to Brendan Boye, um, who really, you know, <laughs> reminded me to email him the project. And, <laughs> and once he read it, I mean, he championed it the whole way through. Um, and it was, it was amazing. So how long did it take to shoot? You know, we shot in, I think, I think the actual number of days is like 25 days. Wow. Total. Wow. That's, yeah. that's huge. I mean, and with COVID, it was COVID, it was, you got a bunch of big actors. So you got schedules moving all the way around. And it was, I don't envy uh, Rick, Rick Romanois, the director, um, for the, you know, the speed with which he had to move, the actors he had to kind of schedule in, and it was wild. Yeah. And again, a lot of filming in hotel rooms. So, oh. <laughs> and these were smaller hotel rooms than the last film. <laughs> oh, right, right. We're talking about the last days of capitalism available yeah. on Amazon now. Right. Um, was, was it, that was the joke on set is that for, for, I guess, for your listeners who don't know, the, I made an uh, independent film called The Last Days of Capitalism last year, which just got released on Amazon. Um, that all takes place in a penthouse in Las Vegas. Um, and this, this, for the most part, takes place in different parts of a hotel um, as the national title game unfurls. Yeah, as a joke, I only write, yeah. I'm never gonna write anything in a hotel room again. <laughs> okay, I'll hold you to it. We'll find out when we talk next, next time. Next <laughs> interview is gonna be like uh, at sea on a, on a spaceship or, or some, I don't know, like something deep in space or something. <laughs> yeah, don't make it a cruise ship because then you got rooms again, so. <laughs> yeah, oh, good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. no, spaceship, spaceship. Yeah, yeah, much better, much better yeah. plan. <laughs> So when can people see this film? We mentioned that it's going to be released tomorrow, December 10th, and people can see it everywhere. It is. I, I'm really impressed because um, we were, you know, we, we thought we were making a very little film that was ambitious and, but it's everywhere. Um, so your local theater, um, I think starting at seven o'clock today. That's um, awesome. So yeah, please go see it. Yeah, absolutely. I watched it. I loved it. It was so good. Um, my husband was watching it with me because he's so funny because I do a lot of interviews talking about independent films and there are some that he's like, okay, I'll watch that one with you. And other ones, he's like, you can watch that one on your own. And this one, he was like, I want to watch that one. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. It's one that everybody can enjoy from different angles. So whether you're a sports fan or not, it doesn't matter you know, because the storyline is so good and it is so relatable because everybody should get paid for the work they do, right? Totally, you're asking me, totally, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the film available everywhere in your local theater, it's called National Champions. It is a phenomenal film. Thanks so much, Adam, for joining me today on the Getting Real podcast. It's always so much fun to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to see you this time. Yes, yeah, good to see you this time. <laughs> and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. All right, thank you. Thank you, bye.